Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Sarah, it is a pleasure to have you back on the show. It's been it like a pleasure to see you. Two years or three years. Look, I got the mustache growing in. I know. I, I think it has been like close to three years now. It's been a while. I think it was before your baby was born. Yeah. And she's she turned two in September. So probably close to three years now. Man, it's that's an experience. I remember so everyone listening, Sarah was on one of my I wouldn't say for yeah, you were up there. You were in the two hundreds, I think, when you, you were doing the welding and stuff like that. I came across your uh Instagram page and reached out to you. And I think you thought it was a scam or something at first because you were very hesitant in speaking with me. You were the first person who ever asked me to do a podcast. You were the first podcast I had ever done. So I just didn't know much about it or how it would work out. I remember we had just moved into this house. That was five years ago, the first podcast that we did. And then we did a second one a few years later, if I'm remembering right. So five years ago and three years ago. And I just can't believe that it's been that long already. Time really does fly by and you're like, where did it all go? I know for a brief time, I thought I had like Alzheimer's or something because I was missing chunks of it. But no, it's been like five years for real. It's crazy. To me, it's interesting because obviously we're going to talk about some of this stuff on here, but it's about the TikTok creation, the whole kind of you turn it into a profession, which is interesting. But also I, I, you were very interested in the health stuff, which I really wanted to talk about on this episode. And I had this question I want to hit you with right out the back. Which was, is that because when your daughter was born, you just became more involved health conscious wise? Because I remember the whole everything before she was born. And it's great to see now that you, you, know, you have a daughter, you're a very caring mother. It's awesome. But it, to me, it's just interesting because you are focused on health. And my, I have nephews and their mom is exactly like that too. They haven't had pizza, McDonald's, any of that type of stuff. And I think now more people are being aware to certain chemicals and things that are now being put in their bodies. When I was a kid, it was like, you know, give them a happy meal and have them pass out in the back seat. That's exactly how it was for me too. Like growing up, I had a single dad and I survived off like Dr. Pepper, pizza, bagel bites, anything from the freezer, uh, anything that came from a can. And then after me and my husband got married and we wanted to have our daughter, you know, um, there was some struggle there and I was diagnosed with unexplained infertility. And that is when my health journey really started. I started seeing a functional medicine and behavior change health coach. And the very first question she asked me was, well, what hygiene products are you using? And she explained especially for women, how important that is. Like, think of all the products that we use, you know, something to wash our face, something to tone our face, the deodorant, the makeup, the lotion, the things in the shower, you know, um, our hygiene products. And I started looking, paying more attention to ingredients. And, you know, then I did become pregnant and it stuck. And just preparing, you know, to be a mom, I just kept researching this stuff. Like it went beyond the hygiene products. I started learning about the things in our foods and the things in our cleaning products. And I gave birth eventually. And I feel like I became even more diligent, you know, for this little tiny human. I don't want her to have to go through the same you know, chronic health conditions that me and her dad did. And, um, you know, once you start, once you start looking at even one area, 
you start to realize it is literally everything. It is everything. And I feel like that's where my journey started. Is it a more of a career, like trying to look through? I mean, how easy is it to maneuver all the pitfalls of ingredients and things like that? There's a lot of things that are hidden by the FDA. I've had whistleblowers on the show explain that, but it's not easy. And especially for someone that's either working two jobs or trying something like that. I mean, if you have the I guess, passion, because you're caring about your kids, what they're going to be consuming, then you probably will make the time for. But for a lot of people, most of society, as much as we say we're health conscious, we do not focus on the necessary. It's mostly calories. And I work in the fitness industry, so I would know. So I think, you know, the thing is, it's hard to break people away or for them to even take a look because so much is made out of convenience, especially our food. And it's like to avoid a lot of the ingredients that they do put in our food, you have to like start doing a lot of home cooking, which a lot of people just simply don't have time for in today's day and age. Um, And I know for me, when I first started, like I said, you know, I went into it thinking, okay, I need to change my hygiene products, maybe fix my diet up a little bit. But I was not prepared for it to be everything, the water the air, like almost everything at the grocery store. Like we try as much as we can, like to support local farms and, and get the the least that we can from the grocery store, because we just don't know. And especially in New York, like um, maybe we can talk about appeal later if, if anyone knows what that is, but I don't even think that they're labeling that in New York. So they're not even labeling certain things that we want to avoid. So it is very overwhelming. And that is what um, prompted me to start sharing on TikTok and social media, because I said, if this is if this is confusing and um, overwhelming for me, I know it has to be for other people as well. What's appeal? Okay, so appeal and no one quote me because I am not like a food scientist or anything, but my understanding of appeal, A-P-E-E-L, it is a new food coding that was invented by Bill Gates. And it was, they're using it under a loophole. From what I understand, it was approved for a fungicide, but they're using it as a food coding under a loophole. And they say that all of the ingredients are safe And this is where I'm not the one to explain. I've listened to other food scientists explain it and the way they explained it. You know, if something is sketchy like that, we have some food scientists saying, oh, it's safe, you know, and then the other one saying, I would never use that, avoid it. It's to keep our produce fresher longer. Like they're using it on English cucumbers, um, avocados, uh, some organic apples, and, um, it's to keep it fresher longer. And that's just not how our produce was intended to be, you know? So if they ever have anything out there that could possibly be bad, me personally, I just try to avoid it. And they're saying that there should be little stickers on it. And I keep looking in New York at all my grocers and I cannot find anything that has an appeal sticker. And I've read that certain states do not require it to be labeled. And I would not be surprised if New York state was one of those states because I've gotten on the appeal website and like put in my zip code 
And it shows that the targets by me use it to spray their avocados, but I've been in Target and nothing is labeled. So that's my understanding of appeal. What are common ingredients that people use or things that people use that is probably some of the worst possible things they could be either consuming or putting on their body? The first one that comes to my mind is red dye 40. That is the top ingredient that I avoid, especially for my child. And here's the thing, Rob, is I have made videos, you know, about the drink Pedialyte, if you know what that is. It's it's for infants. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's for infants. (laughs) It is, but it has, you know, artificial ingredients, artificial dyes. Red 40 specifically, the other ones are bad too, but Red 40 is the worst. It's derived from coal. You know, it's linked to behavior issues in children as well as cancer and other things. And whenever I post about that, like it it really angers people. And they get in my comments telling me that I am wrong, that basically petroleum byproducts are completely fine to be consuming that they are not linked to these things. But that is a fact that Red 40 is linked to these things and it is banned in other countries that they don't want their kids having it because because of these facts. And I mean, and then then there's like citric acid, like natural flavors, which sounds natural, right? There's so many that, I mean, I, I could go on and on, but Red 40 is the biggest one that I avoid, especially for my toddler that, it can make behavior issues and just a host of other problems. Which is weird because I don't think it's necessarily a conspiracy or the people that are saying you're wrong. I mean, if you look at like ADHD people, experts that I've spoken to, because I have ADHD, so I'm interested in learning about it. A lot of new protocols for people that don't want to use medication have been talking about limiting things in your diet um, because certain things can aggravate symptoms of ADHD. And you have to think about what a person is consuming when they have someone in the womb. Um, that could be affecting your baby and could be stunting growth in a sense as well too. And I think there's a lot of chemicals and we honestly just have food that tastes like food. It's not real food. It's just like you got chips that taste like anything but the actual chip. It's like you can have nacho cheese, you can have biscuits and gravy. That does That's not natural. That's not normal. But it's just the supply and demand factor that comes in with the consumer that in my opinion i think it was pushed on us i don't necessarily think we all wanted um this oh this is the only chips you can buy or all these cool flavors it's just there's a market for it because people are looking to experiment well not only that these foods are literally engineered by scientists to be addicting like the chemicals, all that that they use, it's to light up the same area of our brain as drugs, like to make us crave and want more. So if you're someone who eats that and you find yourself, you know, it is addicting and it's challenging to get away from. I know when I first started eating healthier, it was a challenge. I was like, I don't crave those foods. Those foods do not sound appetizing like that's just not what i want like is this i just have to force myself to eat this stuff that's like not appetizing but after so long and you break yourself away from those foods i promise that the healthy clean limited ingredient whole foods they do become appetizing you just have to it's it's a process what about water you mentioned water earlier so tap water you know we were told that Fluoride is fine, and that is 
you know, another topic, but fluoride is a neurotoxin. It calcifies our pineal gland. It lowers IQ. And people like to say the dose makes the poison. And I agree, but it's in our toothpaste. It's we get um, dental cleanings with it. I remember as a kid, them giving me a tube of just fluoride and telling me to do treatments on my teeth with it. Our water is fluorinated, the water that we're bathing in and something that touches your skin, it's within our blood with under 10 seconds. So we're bathing in it, we're consuming it, um, we're drinking it, we're brushing our teeth with it. So if the dose makes the poison, when it, when is enough enough? You know, it is a proven fact. Fluoride can help cavities, but at what cost? There are other ways without fluoride to keep a healthy microbiome. And I think that fluoride is like one of the greatest lies ever told. Did you look into the gut-mind connection? I always tell people this because researchers refer to our gut as the second brain. And so much of our health, comes from our gut like a healthy gut that's that's the first thing i always tell people you know if they're trying to get healthy focus on the gut heal the gut it may not cure you but i promise that you'll feel at least a little bit better and it's a start i have to ask because with tiktok i mean what do you see trend more i mean do you understand the algorithms i have i have not as a content creator i haven't figured out on any platforms but you mentioned earlier off air about the different platforms and your treatment on those platforms for certain posts. So I'm curious what on TikTok's accepted, which uh, platform have you found the most leniency and which one have you found to be the most strict? You're going to be surprised by this answer because I am. Um, so when I first started, my only platform was TikTok, you know, and my goal was never really to make this a career. I was, um, if you've watched my first episodes with Rob, I started as a welder and I would film that. And that's kind of what got me into content creation, you know, and then I had a year off when I was pregnant with my daughter and I just started on TikTok, you know, sharing those videos. I wasn't welding. Um, and then eventually I made an Instagram page to share the same videos. And then in December, the end of December, it'll be one year since I started posting on a Facebook group. And I have a quarter million people following me on Facebook of all platforms. Like that blows my mind. And Facebook, I see the most success. My videos never get taken down, which really shocks me. Um, same thing with Instagram. I think I have three 3,000 followers there. And then on TikTok, I, I'm right around 40,000, but I cannot figure out. TikTok. I cannot predict what's going to do well. Usually my videos sit like right around three, 400 views. Every now and then something will blow up, but I can never tell. And on TikTok, there's always that concern of, you know, is a bunch of people going to report this? Are they going to take it down? Is it break community guidelines? Even though it's factual information that's happened and they don't even give me the chance to appeal it. So as far as like, you know, knowing what's going to do well, I feel like social media has, I have not been able to predict any of it. And I am still just like Facebook, really? Yeah. 
I'm curious, what like what's the audience group that mostly is like your following base? And is it a, it probably gives you a little bit more confidence when it comes to a lot of people are interested in this type of information because society was not like that five years ago, 10 years ago. I don't even think it still gets publicized today that people are looking for alternatives. I think it came with like a maybe my generation of kids being parents where they started kind of because we grew up with the social media to come across those articles before you just hey it's fast food it just means the food's fast it doesn't mean that it's bad for you you know people would have birthday parties at these places um but now it's like i think with my generation it just became everyone's aware of it now but it's about trying to find the proper sources to it so i'd ask you about um the audience that follows you what do you see a lot of people looking for the answers or looking for something like that do you think that you get shadow banned at times too you know, I've never been able to figure out shadow banning, but I would not be surprised because there are sometimes it's like, how come only a small amount of people are seeing this? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. But as far as my followers, they are mostly women. I haven't checked the age group in a while, but one common theme, you know, is that people aren't feeling good. And I feel like they are starting to realize that Western medicine has failed them. And I want to be careful because I don't want anyone to think I'm against Western medicine. I am not. I believe in Western medicine. You know, I used fertility treatments to have my daughter. She wouldn't be here without Western medicine. But for us, it's more of a last resort, you know, like I would not want to be on prescription medicine every day. I, I understand some people have to be, they can't just stop. But I think a lot of people were let down by Western medicine. Um, you know, it didn't help them or it gave them another issue and they're feeling worse. And I think as a society, at least a lot of the moms, I do have some men as well, you know, who follow and ask a lot of questions and that's wonderful. But I think a lot of mothers, women, you know, from 20s to even older are just yearning for something slower, something slower paced, a little bit slower living. And they're starting to catch on to the things in the food and the hygiene. And as a society, I think people are starting to grasp that more and they're wanting to make a change. Why do you think it is so bad? I mean, where where would you start to look at? Obviously, not just our grocery stores, but it seems like the whole FDA, which there's plenty of articles to tell you the FDA is compromised. Um, but there's a lot of things now, which I wouldn't call it corruption. I would, I mean, it is corruption, but I would just call it capitalism has linked into things where it's more about getting the money off of these products. And at this point now, how much of the product is actually a product? Is it just something that shouldn't be consumed? It's just worried about lasting the shelf life. Um, I don't know how much I should say. Do you know the history? I feel like a lot of people don't know or understand the history of how our medical system came to be. And real briefly, I will say, if you know Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller, um, and then a man named Abraham Flexner, neither were a doctor, neither were a scientist, but they saw, um, you know, because at that time, which mind you, Rockefeller's own personal doctor was like a, a natural homeopathic doctor, but he saw that, you know, these herbs that they're using to cure people, those can't be patented. They come from the earth. Like you cannot 
pet in them. And that's what doctors at that time, like the United States was buzzing with chiropractors, naturopaths, like that's, that's what was being used. And Rockefeller, you know, he uh, thought, oh, I could, I could make medicine with petroleum. So him and Flexner submitted this report to Congress. Uh, it was a smear campaign against natural healing modalities. And, um, you know, Rockefeller was loaded. So like through the Carnegie Foundation, he donated, I think it was $600,000, just over a half a million in today's money tax-free to all the colleges, but said, um, you have to put my way of medicine in the textbooks. And I think there was like over, I think over 150 medical schools across the country. After that happened, they dropped down to 31 where they were taught to perform procedures, long hospital stays, and to give medicine. And with his money, you know, he pushed through all the three-letter agencies. He monopolized pharmaceuticals eventually. And he is responsible for, like, all of our systems, the public school system, uh, you know, the medicine, the food. It's all tied in, and it is all a money-making machine. Like, none of it is to heal people. That's the one difference between how medicine used to be. Holistic medicine looks at the whole person, looks at all of their symptoms, and then finds the root cause and heals that. Where Western medicine gives you a pill to mask whatever symptom you have going on. And there is not a pill to exist that does not have a side effect. So many times that one issue will be cleared up, but you're now having another annoying issue that they'll just throw another pill at you for. And and you're not you're not getting better. You're, you know, the original issue may be gone or not gone. It's really just it's still under there, you know, because the root cause isn't healed. And that's kind of a brief summary of where we are today. I feel like a lot of people don't know that, don't know how we got here. They just think, oh, natural medicine didn't work. That's why we use Western medicine now. But that's the actual history. Well, natural medicine has a stigma to it. Um, as much as we have jokes and stereotypes about big pharmaceutical companies, it's not on everyone's purview. But when you see a video of someone rubbing oils on themselves, I even get a little bit sick of it, even though it might be good information. It's just how... I was raised, you know, that's not real. It doesn't work. None of that stuff works. And I have plenty of friends that own those shops where you can go in and get little vials of either certain supplements or certain herbs or something like that and be able to either bring your stuff home, anything like that. But it's just not how Western society has evolved. You know, it's getting there. I think it's taking a little bit of a shift. I see more people with plants in their house growing their own spices and things of that sort. And I think Amazon kind of pushed that during the pandemic for a lot of people. But I think it also is because I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe you've experienced the stigma and that I'm talking about, but it's not something that is culturally accepted, in my opinion. I still feel like there's just a big adverse reaction to natural medicine compared to taking a pill, which is weird because when you turn on the TV, it's like five pharmaceutical ads and like two M&M commercials. And it's not like... <laughs> no, no, you're right. I feel like as a society, we are just numb to it. Like that is just how we were raised, especially like the older generation. I feel like they're even harder, you know, to to flip that switch in their brain because that's just what they believe they're entire life. And it is really hard for some people 
to come to terms that they have believed a lie, that that's not true their entire lives. And that is why my content makes some folks angry. And Facebook is my biggest platform, but I will not touch the comment section with a 10 foot pole for my mental health. I had to stop checking my comments. And I think it's because it's mostly that older generation on Facebook that I get a lot of attacks for the information that I'm sharing, you know, just like things that have nothing to do with what I'm posting. So I am obviously triggering a lot of people for whatever reason, but I think it starts with Flexner and Rockefeller. Like they, they pushed propaganda, a smear campaign. It wasn't all that long ago, you know, and as a society, a lot of people are still believing that, that that's, you know, um, a, a lot of the natural doctors and stuff were jailed at that time. So they think, oh, you know, they're a quack. That stuff don't work like that. You people think that I'm negligent because I don't rush to a doctor and I put a lot of trust in my gut and my intuition, which has never lied to me, by the way. And it's all worked out. We're all feeling better than ever. But I think it's just hard for people to realize and accept that maybe that's not true. Even with my husband, I find, at least from my experience, that men are a little bit harder to get on board as well, which my husband is on board, but it takes a little bit more information from me to him to get him on board, if that makes sense. Why I mean, why do you think that is? Is just because we're less likely to think about a lot of the stuff that gets put in our food? I think that... Um, and I think, you know, at least in our household, more traditional, like I'm preparing a lot of the food and I feel like, you know, he doesn't, I guess he doesn't think about it as much because he's not whatever. But um, I don't know. I've heard a lot of women say that too, though, that they struggle a little bit uh, to get their husbands on board, that it takes a little bit more effort to get the men on board. And I'm not exactly sure why that is. <laughs> Well, I think it's a report that women live longer than men do, but I think it's probably because they might be a little bit more health conscious on things. Now, they also go a little bit farther than guys do when it comes to the types of products they use as well, too. I mean, obviously, society has beauty standards for women compared to men is a lot different, but it is the fact of like, I mean, everyone's complained about women's products being too much money. There's a fact to that because they have to get more products. Society has just pushed people towards that way, but they're also more health conscious on what they're putting on their body, like you mentioned earlier, which might be a reason why you guys live longer. Also, I think we're a little probably a little bit more risky. Um, you know, if the electric socket and the fork, they look, kind of look similar. You can probably connect those two together. No, but it's it's a serious concern because when you really start, I mean, when you take this break like you've done. I've done it too with eating clean for so long in the fitness industry, but a lot of my stuff comes down to budgets. You're more focused on the actual ingredient factors that go in there, which I'm wondering if you see more of the problems. And since you've been disconnected from it for so long of eating that food, that it's easier for you to talk about how better you feel and all the people that are eating it still don't know what that's like. So to them, it gets tossed into fairyland or conspiracy land because they don't know what it's like to not be on something that is doping them in a sense. Well, not only that, but our medical system, doctors today, they are not taught the importance of proper nutrition. And I, so I feel like a lot of society believes that what we eat 
Nutrition has nothing to do with how we feel. And for me, that just goes against logical common sense. Like the gas that we put in our car matters for how our car is going to run, right? Like what we're what we're consuming, when we're consuming it, like the first thing that we're putting into our body in the morning, like all of that matters to how we are going to feel. And I feel like it's just getting people to understand that. But when you are under that haze, you know, of all these foods loaded up with all these chemicals, I, I feel like too, we're overbo- overburdened with toxins in today's age too. I feel like, you know, it makes it harder and harder for people to have like a clear mind to like even understand that, I guess. Well, I mean, we there's, uh, I think a lot of people know the dangers of caffeine, but we consume caffeine every single day. I mean, that's in part marketing, but I mean, what, what do you recommend to someone who drinks coffee every single morning? I mean, obviously if they're going to a store and getting it, it's probably a lot different than if you're making it from home, a little bit more filtered. Okay. So coffee, any coffee that you can buy at the grocery store, unfortunately is loaded full of things like mold, pesticides, cockroaches. And I'm not demonizing that coffee. Go back to the cockroaches. What are you talking about? I cut coffee a year ago. It wasn't that hard. Um, I recently had a coffee for the first time in at least a year. And I was like, oh man, that's too smooth. You got to put that down. There's something in that that's going to cause you to get really hooked on that again. I mean, because people drink every, it seems like everyone's got Starbucks in their hand or some type of coffee. Yeah, unfortunately, I feel like it's like that with a lot of food. Like there is just a percentage of bugs, cockroaches, whatever that is allowed to be in our coffee. That is why I recommend if you're a daily coffee drinker to get whole bean minimum organic and try to find it local if you can and grind it yourself. And then the second thing is a lot of people are waking up first thing in the morning they're drinking, you know, their coffee either from Dunkin' or the store loaded with all those things that I said. And that is the first thing breaking their fast in the morning. And then they wonder, why do I have digestive problems? Why is coffee making me anxious, bloated? You know, I feel like crap. It's because that's the first thing you're breaking your fast with in the morning is pesticides, mold, cockroaches. Where you know, so I try really in? hard. Explain that. Where are the cockroaches coming up? That's freaking me out. I feel it, it has been a while since I looked into it, but just like transportation, all that, like bugs get in there and they're allowed a certain, they're allowed up to a certain percent to just crush them in. That's why I will only get whole bean coffee and grind it myself. And then, and then also when the beans are sitting, like that's where they get the mold. And then they're also, you know, sprayed with pesticides when it's grown. And the, our, our three letter agencies, they allow a certain percentage and even things like organic you know it's like it's not a lot of that stuff's like not even monitored because they don't care they don't care well how many like for some of the percentages that aren't monitored but like in what organizations are responsible for well like obviously there's corruption in the fda but how much like i know they can rely on nutrition facts when it comes to calories for instance that was recent that they started to change that up a little bit but was they can't market zero because it's not zero but there was a percentage for the longest time where it could be one calorie two calories you didn't have to count it so you could still mark it as zero which is lying still it's not being accurate if you have the accurate data and you're not posting about it, then you are lying essentially. You're doing it to sell your product, which is a problem, but I'm sure there's other areas where they don't label things because it's not 
not necessarily, um, I would say law. Well, that reminds me of two things. I feel like that makes me think of the term natural flavors, which if you ever see that on a food label, that is also an ingredient that I avoid. And I feel like a lot of people associate, oh, it says natural. It's like a natural flavoring, right? Natural flavoring is a blanket term for over 3,000 different things that could be in there. And and um, it's legal because they, they say, oh, that's our proprietary, let me see if I can say it, proprietary blend. So they don't have to share that. Like other other companies could steal, you know, our, our recipe. So that's what a lot of companies do. They hide all those ingredients under natural flavors. But then you have to think the people who are in charge of our food are the same people in charge of our medicine. So it's like, you know, are they really going to care? And then you have to think too, like how much of this information can we trust? Like way back when they did a study or whatever, and it was funded by mostly Coca-Cola. And that's when that study came out telling people to avoid fat and that sugar is fine. That study, that study was funded by the soda people. 30 years later, we find out that's not true. Sugar, you want to be avoiding sugar and fat. It's, it's a scent. Like we need fat, like for our brain health, for so many aspects of our health. But because for 30 years, this study that turned out not to be true, so many people are still avoiding fat. It's just been so many years, you know? And so I feel like that's how, I don't know, went off on a tangent there. That study was $5,000 to a doctor who uh, fudged those numbers from the sugar industry and has still messed up our pillars of health today. People are still confused on, that's why they're, I mean, what do you think about the marketing of diet trends? Obviously there's been a whole host of them. They used to play them all the time on the TV, Adkins diet, all these other ones that make it very extremely difficult. But the dieting industry crosses with the fitness industry and it's something where i have seen it change but there's a lot of people when it comes down to the their nutrition doesn't even need to be ingredients it's just they don't know what to do because that industry has been so topsy-turvy every information has been flipped around every five years or every six years and that's why everyone's confused about their health i think that is done by design to confuse us because there is a lot of conflicting information. And I tell you on my health journey, you know, at first I was like doing keto diet and um, to me that was clean, but I was still buying a lot of the processed keto foods, you know, and I thought that was healthy. And uh, what works best for me is like no diet. Like right now we have a lot of these nutritionists out there who are telling you that you can eat anything from the grocery store, you know, and that, that all of that is fine. And in my opinion, like that is just not the case. And I I don't blame those people. You know, they were taught by the colleges, by the universities who were funded so many years ago. I don't even have to go down that road, but I think a lot of that information is dangerous. I don't think that red 40 natural flavor citric acid that is grown on gmo black mold i don't think any of that belongs in a human's diet uh, am i perfect no me and my family we aim for 80 20 because in today's day and age you know if you're traveling whatever the case may be it's impossible to be perfect 
And, you know, I feel like when you're stressed out a lot of the times about being perfect, that is just as toxic as the bad ingredients that we're trying to avoid in the first place. And I feel like when the bulk of your diet is like clean, whole foods, that your body can process, you know, that 20% when you don't really have another choice. But for me, like not following a diet, following a diet was hard. Like that is hard. But now we just eat mostly animal-based, which I know that's a big debate too, like vegetarian, animal-based. I think my opinion is that a lot of the vegetarian stuff, like the the plant-based burgers, all that, I, I don't... um agree with a lot of it's severely processed yeah it's it's really not any healthier like i feel like they're trying to make burgers now like out of crickets or bugs or just like i hope not no me neither and i i feel like you're right there is just so much mixed information about what is right the best way to eat and i feel like it is super confusing and i think that was done on purpose could i ask about like when it comes to the risks versus the rewards, obviously you have to probably carve out a little bit more time to do the types of things you do to make sure you're processing and making the proper food for not only you, but your family. But can you list some of the negative parts about it? Like, obviously there's not availability of a lot of these things in every single person's area. Um, A lot of the people I've talked to who have brought up really good programs of farming and things of this sort that could be implemented in society, but have been either waiting to get passed for years upon years because the system doesn't care about it. There is availability issues and then also convenience factors. I, I I mean, how many times do you hear that excuse? I don't think that's a good excuse anymore. Dollar cheeseburgers at McDonald's used to be convenience. Not anymore. They raise the price. It's like an average cheeseburger now. Well, I, I want people to look at it this way, right? Because they look at my grocery hauls, this and that, and they say that is so expensive. And I cannot lie, that food is more expensive, but we have figured out ways to cut costs in other areas, which I'll go into a minute. But if they think healthy living in this country is expensive, like I hate for them to find out how expensive it is to be unhealthy in this country, like through the medical system, that's just going to keep throwing, you know, it's more, it's more expensive in the long run to be unhealthy. So I just urge people to invest in your health now. I am going to be 36 in January, and I wish that I had this mindset 10 years younger, you know? Um, I was going to say something else. What was I going to say? Um, What was the original question again? I was just talking about the convenience factors for a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. So the things that make it inconvenient, number one, it is more expensive, but what we did is, you know, we use cloth diapers for a long time. So we weren't having to pay as much for diapers. We're just paying for water and detergent, reusable Ziplocs, reusable paper towels. Uh, I make my own dog food, like things like that saves money where it is cheaper. But yes, when I do go to the grocery store, it is expensive. Um, I, I go to a lot of local farms. So even picking up our milk, uh, our meat, our eggs, honey, coffee, maple syrup, you know, it's not just a ride to the store. I drive 40 minutes to go get it every two weeks. And I try to stack up in the winter. So, I mean, a lot of that convenience is wiped out. You're making things by hand. It takes a lot of time 
And then, you know, I always have, I, I run the dishwasher two, three times a day. And my husband just said that, I feel like we go through more dishes than most people. I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm cooking a lot of things from scratch. So naturally we just have more dishes. So it's a lot more time and preparing. And I understand in today's fast paced, instant gratification world that that is not convenient for a lot of people, but I feel like a lot of, a lot of people don't take it serious because the effects are immediate, you know, like you don't eat a bad food and then you're sick and you connect it like, Oh, that's why I'm sick. It takes a while, you know, so people don't connect it. And then they go to the doctor and the doctor will never tell them that was why they don't know. They don't believe in nutrition or, or anything no, like you that. You know, a doctor, when you break your arm, please fix my arm. But if you're talking about a, your general practitioner about health issues, they have no knowledge base for that. You need to talk to a nutritionist or you need to talk to someone who might have some experience more than the average person in that area. But you know, you're, you're, you're having people rely on themselves to get the information. I mean, where do you get your sources from? I mean, it's not easily accessible on the internet to find a lot of things as well. So, I mean, there's a big controversy, which is the, why do they ban raw milk? Um, I've tried to understand that area, but that's, I don't even, I just can't, I don't know. I mean, if you know it, be happy to explain it to me, but. I know that's, that's all I drink is raw milk, but I feel like I was going to answer your other question first, but now now, the second you brought up raw milk, my eyes lit up and I lost all train of thought. So raw milk, um, you know, back when pasteurization became a thing, I do believe it was necessary at that time because, you know, we were crammed close together. We didn't have modern plumbing. We didn't have modern water. We didn't, or water systems. We didn't have proper refrigeration. So way back when pasteurization was great because a lot of people get confused when I, you know, mentioned pasteurization back then. It was necessary back then. But today, pasteurization, the heating process, it kills off all nutrients in the milk. It is a dead food. It is not, it's doing nothing where when it is not pasteurized, it's it's just as good as human breast milk. It's a living food. It is so nutrient dense. It is the best thing for your gut. After I stopped breastfeeding my daughter, we tried so many different like organic almond milk. We tried expensive European formula. We tried all the things. She was miserable until I found raw milk. And that's all she's had since. And she is thriving. And um why it became illegal or not illegal, but has like such a, they, they tell people that if you drink it, you're going to die, that you're going to get sick when that's just, the numbers are not there to support that. Really the people who say that I always want to ask, do you get romaine lettuce or spinach from the grocery store? Because the facts are you are more likely to get sick, very sick from those things than you are raw milk and what the numbers don't account for. And if anyone finds me after this podcast, I have the documentary I'm about to talk about. It is linked in all of my bios, but the small numbers that we do have of people get sick, the people get sick when these big dairy plants are selling raw milk out the back door. They're not set up to process raw milk. Their cows get antibiotics and medicine, you know, that their, their cows are not set up to process raw milk and they're selling it out the back door. And that is when people get sick. And that makes up like most of that small number that we do have of people 
getting sick. And I feel like people, people get really angry when I post about raw milk, but me and my family, my toddler, we've been consuming it like over the last year and we feel better than ever. I urge people to research raw milk themselves and raw milk never goes bad. You can drink it like after it's been in your fridge for two weeks, it will not make you sick. It's fermenting into yogurt and you can freeze it like breast milk. Raw milk is like, I'm, I'm a huge raw milk advocate. Why is Did that I even answer your question? Yeah. Why is that so controversial? Honestly, it doesn't I, make sense because they don't even properly describe why it's controversial. They just say, don't drink raw milk or you'll die. And that's it. Like, yeah, they just say that you're going to get they just say that you're going to get sick. And that's the thing. That's the thing. Right. Is so many people cannot have milk or dairy products. They can consume raw milk. They can't have dairy because they pasteurize it. They kill everything in it and then they load it full of synthetics to make up for all the nutrients and stuff that were lost. And we are not meant to be consuming those synthetics. And that is why so many people are lactose intolerant, cannot consume milk. It makes them mucusy or whatever they say. Um, but, but so many people who are lactose intolerant can consume raw milk just fine. And that's because it's in its natural state, the way that it was meant to be consumed. <laughs> Have you heard about or investigated any claims of some foods that had to be withdrawn from grocery stores because there was any scandals? They had a GIF scandal not too long ago, maybe a year ago. Um, I had talked to someone who was focusing on the supply chain about that issue, but there was a contamination in one of their factories that got into a bunch of jars of GIF. So they caused people to retract because it was making people massively ill. And it reminded me of the time I went to go get honey smacks at the grocery store and I got salmonella poisoning from honey smacks. Um, the company even sent me these certificates to get free boxes of Kellogg's because of it. But I went back to the store the next day and there was an iceberg lettuce uh, this was around the time iceberg lettuce got retracted because in California, there was a bunch of contaminants and came with salmonella. Well, Honey Smacks was also infected as well, too. And I I didn't realize this. I didn't connect it together. But just a month ago at my work, we, we sell protein shakes. And uh, she was looking at the ingredients in the back of the thing. I was like, I'm, it's just whey and some other artificial stuff that's in there. And uh, she goes, no, um, I have to check the ingredients because I'm allergic to fish. And I was like, well, those protein shakes, I hope don't have fish in it. And she goes, these companies also produce some of the biggest cans of tuna out there. And she goes, I will get massively sick and I will die. I did not know this until I was rushed to the hospital after drinking a lean body, one of those brands of protein shakes. And I go, well, that's crazy. I was like, but yeah, you're allergic to fish. That's like in everything though. There's some byproduct of fish in everything. And she just goes, well, you know, it's a difficult thing, but once you start looking into where your food's being produced, you start realizing it's not about what they're putting in it. It's about what they do at that factory. And I was like, okay, all right, makes sense. Yeah. Um, so as far as like supply issues and stuff, I'm not like super knowledgeable, but when you said that it reminds me of all the tainted infant formula because I was breastfeeding around that time. And I just remember being so thankful that I do not have to rely on these companies, you know, to make sure that they're formula is safe. It's not going to make my daughter sick. And some moms like don't have any other choice. And, um, that, that's why, that's why trust I, I, I all... a company making formula. That's nuts to me. I don't know, even know why that's a thing, but I mean, why don't I have the stigma towards the natural product then, but I have it towards a company that's putting in, 
I don't know. The chemical thing just doesn't seem right to me, especially at that developing stage. Yeah, no. And most of our formula and people get really mad at me for this too. This is no dig towards any formula feeding mom. I understand these are just the facts though. And I feel like all moms should know this that way they can make an informed decision. Um, most of our formula in the United States, like the number one ingredient is corn syrup solids. And it's like, is that really what, like your main nutrition for a newborn? Like even our formula options are not great. And then I feel like the formula, it made a bunch of babies sick, I'm pretty sure. And then like a bunch of moms couldn't even get their hands on it. And then there was something else that was going around that was making people sick too. And I can't remember what it was, but that is why I tried to grow as much as I can. Just my whole entire goal is to rely on the grocery store less. You know, even with, um, if you've ever heard of Bragg's apple cider, I made a video opening because there was a rumor that Bragg's apple cider was using the Bill Gates appeal apples now. So I made a video about that. And then I was telling people, how to make their own apple cider. And Bragg's commented and said, well, we don't use appeal apples, but it's like, am I just supposed to trust them? Just take, you know, at face value, like, would they tell us? Do they have to tell us? So my whole thing is just the more that I can provide for myself, the more that I can grow in my backyard or in my little indoor hydroponic systems, the better. Like my goal, and, I, and I'm not all the way there where I want to be yet. We have less than half an acre. You'd be surprised how much I can grow. But my goal is to depend on these companies less and less because they do not care about us. They want their food. They want us to be like addicted to their food. It's, it's all profit based. And of course, these companies are going to tell us what, what we want to hear. Is it true? I don't know. I lean towards no, maybe. But if it's up in the air like that and it's coming down to my family's health, I'm just going to avoid it. And that's that's where I fall. And I just try to grow and provide as much as I can and then support local farms near me. I'd like to get back to a system, you know, where we all barter, like back to our roots. That's my that's my thought on it. Well, how much do you think of the food that we consume, the average public consumes would be things like emotional dysregulation? with um, the amount of anger we are in society. Obviously, society has pressures on us, but there's a lot of quick-to-anger people, a lot of emotionally unstable people, not just from life stuff, but just certain situations that could easily be cured with a nap uh, tend to be from a lot of people get either feel like crap after they eat and just feel bad about themselves or things of that sort. I mean, how much do you think our food impacts either our behavioral um our physical, I mean, it's probably, it's multifactorial, but what do you, would you consider the highest importance? I think food is definitely the number one importance, the food that we're eating. Um, I think also like an overburden of toxins in today's age um, also plays a role. Like I'm, I'm not like a medical doctor or anything like that, but in my opinion, food is like the number one thing of how we're going to feel. And I, you know, even adults who consume a lot of, you know, red 40 or even like enriched flour, there's just all these ingredients, you know, or citric acid that gives people, a, a lot of people are just told by their doctors that like bloating after eating is normal or all these symptoms are normal, anxiety, depression, autoimmune, that all of that 
is just normal. And I don't believe that. I do not believe that God created us to be suffering in chronic pain. I don't think any of it is normal. And I think all of it is caused by our lifestyle. I think food is uh, is probably the biggest factor, but I think that our cleaning products, our hygiene products, the, the air fresheners, the candles that we're using in our house, um, the overload of toxins, I think all of that plays a role. I have spoken to people, um, Joseph Braun's a person, but he talked about cleaning supplies and contaminants from that. And there's actually a link between uh, pregnant woman using cleaning supplies or dust particles can actually cause behavioral and cognitive issues in development of the child. But I wanted to ask you about your sources. I can speak to a scientist and get my sources. Have you spoke to scientists? Have you looked? Where do you find sources as well for Because you can't trust the NIH. All that stuff is just garbage government crap. Exactly. Um, so that is really, really hard in today's day and age. You know, when my daughter, when I was still pregnant, researching everything, you know, you can almost find something to back up any claim these days, seriously. And even, you know, the big paid studies, like I don't always necessarily trust those either. So a huge part of this lifestyle for me, because I feel like as women, that we have been told not to trust our guts, don't follow your instinct, rush your kids to the white coat, do what they say, listen to them, you'll be fine. When I feel like, and I'm not saying doctors are stupid, they are not, they are brilliant people. I just don't think they were trained in the right thing and that's through no fault of their own. But I just don't think that, you know, that they, that they always have the answers. They are human beings too. Um, you know, and a lot of people die or get sick that way because I, I forget the statistics, so I don't even want to say that. Um, but for me, it is following my gut, following my instincts, following what makes sense to me. Um, and, you know, this is going to sound kind of funny, but in the beginning, I learned a lot off of TikTok, off of other moms. I would hear their take on something and then I would do my best, you know, to go research it. Um, and try to back up that claim and kind of just build my beliefs that way. And I did buy a few books and, you know, you, I'm not going to say the topic, but like even that, like even the three letter agencies, even, even the info that comes from them backs up my beliefs and what I'm saying. And even, even people struggle to accept that when it's on, it's in black and white, like in a book, like all the ingredients in these things, all the possible side effects. And there's just a disconnect in society. I feel like we have been um, told not to follow our guts, our instincts, and we're just not connected to our true selves, I feel like. And I think that is a result of all the toxins and the crap because we're all anxious and obese and depressed and autoimmune. It's like, how can we be connected to ourselves and our intuition and our gut when we're worried about all these other things and we're sick and we're in pain? I mean, the biggest obvious example is the fact that there's an obesity crisis in this country and cardiovascular heart disease is an issue as well, too. And you're seeing nobody of authority mentioning anything about just getting healthy. It's the same thing during this pandemic. There's been no focus and still probably no focus on just health concerns of food, dietary problems and nutrition problems. There's been a lack of it from any politician or anybody in power that should be putting out a public service announcement. We used to have those when I was a kid. There was at least something like a commercial on the TV about um, healthy living and trying to more fruits, the nutrition plate idea. That's just all gone out the window. 
Yeah. Yeah. What was I going to say? I had a thought there. Um, I do got to ask about the influencers that you also come across on social media with that also have the same viewpoints and, and maybe doctors that might follow you that have the same viewpoints on some things, but maybe can't express it because they're in the field because there is that risk of career if you're going to enter a subject, sadly, which is the diet industry or anything health related food wise that goes against the official narrative, you are putting your career at risk. But do you see that a lot of people actually share the same views and have the same curiosity and have these same beliefs? Or do you see more hate on the platforms? I definitely see more like appreciation. Definitely. There's definitely more kind, kind hearted, awesome people. I will say that. Um, and I feel the other moms or creators, doctors, anyone crunchy, I guess they call us, or natural low-tox living, I feel like most of us have like the general, like same core values, but we do fall on different ranges. I do feel that there's a stereotype for moms like me that we are far alt-right um conservative and that we're just like super dangerous and that is a huge misconception there is it conservative moms is that what they talk about or republican moms that's i'm not sure why actually there was a huge creator who claims that she was crunchy and now she's not which i don't believe that at all because that makes no sense to me once you learn these things about the toxins the chemicals in our food like, how can you go back to feeding those to your family, like knowingly? So that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I think she's either like a bot or like she was like bought and paid for. I don't know. Have you come across those bots on your accounts at all? Oh, yeah. I get I get all these comments uh, of people, how they cured their herpes. I feel like that's the biggest <laughs> comment that I get. But I just leave them because I'm like, whatever, you know, it counts towards the algorithm. <laughs> I don't know. I would, I would like to meet the bot that's talk, tossing out the cure for herpes. I was thinking like someone just saying, go to this site or something like that to see some cool pictures or something that I usually see. But I think it was that lady who put out that stereotype that we're all like super right wingers, but in, on, well, how much from do you all believe, my friends, how much do you believe of the, of the stuff that gets commented or stuff that's like that is like government disinformation as well, too? I mean, there is a real possibility of that. There's a lot of things that can't go on platforms because there's certain restrictions when it comes to health guidance rules. But also there's a large amount of people that are patriots of the health community and consider you a threat to national health when you're putting out things that are against the official narrative, which honestly, if you go to another country's research website, you're going to come across a lot of options that are not available over here when it comes to dissent across the official narrative. And that's what, I mean, it was recommended to a lot of people during this pandemic, I think, but it's not talking about anything pandemic related. It's just talking about another pandemic, which is the diabetes issue, the health risk issue, the obesity issue. There's studies and there's in from propaganda in the beginning from the tobacco industry where they had commercials of babies smoking cigarettes and things of that sort. That is the, we don't think that way anymore. And we know that they were wrong, but that's the thing. Can they be wrong now? And that's the real question. Does that mean that we silence any dissent from the official narrative? Or are we just going to repeat history? History is repeating. And that's the that's the number one thing that I say to people when they think like, oh, no, they would never do that. All it takes for me is a brief look at 
the past. Like the biggest one that sticks out to me is like the Tuskegee experiment experiments. There's so many examples like that that prove that they do not care about us. And what to touch on what you were saying a minute ago, the bigger I get, you know, because this only recently became a full-time career for me. Now I have to be careful about what I'm saying. This is my income. This is how I pay my bills, you know? So I do have to be careful, but we were talking before the show started. I plan to launch a podcast, you know, um, next year sometime. And I think I want to do it. You know, I, I have to be careful. I got to pick the app because I want to pick an app where I can talk about all those things Spotify. that I can't. Yeah. That Okay. Spotify doesn't, they don't care what you say. Yeah. If you do anchor, it uploads to like eight different platforms. You know, I've never had a problem with them. YouTube is just a problem. If you do like video stuff, which podcasts aren't really for YouTube anyway, it's more video shows and clips and things of that sort. But Spotify has been the guys from like Sweden. So he didn't care what you said about the pandemic. He didn't care what you said about anything like that. I mean, if Joe Rogan can talk about gorillas ripping each other's crotches off, I think you're be okay. Just talking about some chemicals and some food. I love Joe Rogan, but um, yeah, that's my plan because you do have to be careful, you know, and I think that too, like, is there somebody monitoring me now, you know, are they, Absolutely. are they not happy with the information, you know, that I'm giving people, how I'm trying to get them just to think of things a little bit differently. But when I tell you, like my, my cousin's in from Florida and I was just telling her, like, I get messages from people like telling me, like, I, I feel so much better, like for the first time in so many years. And it, it makes me want to cry that people are finally feeling better and people are finally feeling relief that it's just like, this is death. I've, I've found my true passion, my true calling. I just want people to feel better because me, myself, you know, I went through drug addiction. I spent years in prison. If, if, you guys haven't heard my story that I shared like on the first episode. I've dealt with chronic anxiety, chronic depression, uh, chronic sciatica pain for almost four years and thought that that's just me. I just got to live with these things, you know, and and um, I, I, I will say I haven't found the cure for addiction. I, I still, you know, have thoughts every now and then addiction, something you live with forever, at least in at least in my opinion. But I feel like all the other things. I am free of, I am free of, and I know so many people, my husband included, Western medicine doctor said, you will have to take this pill for the rest of your life. This is a lifelong illness. Uh, two people I can think of right now diagnosed with autoimmune diseases who no longer take medication. And, you know, every now and then my husband, like we had really bad air quality when those fires were, I think the Canada fires, I forget where, where yeah, it would have been Canada. he had a little bit of flare up. Yeah. But for the most part, he is cured. He doesn't have to give himself injections. So it's just like, I've seen that myself. People can cure and Western medicine will tell you that you can't, you just got to live with it forever. And you got to take our pills for the rest of your life. It's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. That's what's weird is that like, we don't have that stigma on like, if someone cures their cancer with cheese, I'm not saying it's a cure for cancer, but if it works for that person, you don't sit there and shame that person for, oh, you didn't use chemotherapy. It's just like, good job. That's an anomaly. But it obviously, we're all not genetically the same. We're all the same species, but we all have different things about us that different things react to us differently. So why would you try and silence someone who just has an opinion of like, hey, this worked for me? 
you can't sh shame that content. You can't call that content bad for people because the people who are still taking a pill are still going to take the pill. But if someone wants to try something new, then give them the chance to try something new. If it doesn't work, they'll go back to what they were doing before. But it's just giving somebody an alternative. We don't have that anymore. There's no alternatives. It's just one route. Right. It's it's like black or white, right or wrong. And they make it so hard, too, because, you know, um, even a lot of holistic doctors or practitioners are not covered by insurance. So a lot of people, you know, can't even afford to bring their kid there. So they're really stuck. They're really out of options. They, they definitely make it, they make it hard. It is hard. I am how many years into this journey, you know, and I'm still not perfect. I still have things that I'd like to change. But that's my biggest tip if I could give anyone. This this can be so friggin' overwhelming because the more you look, the more you realize it is everything. But you have to start slow. You have to take baby steps. That is the key to long-lasting change. Only switching like one small thing at a time. Like I said, it's a year's journey. If you overwhelm yourself, like you're gonna, you're more likely to give up, throw in the towel call it quits. So you just got to take it slow. It's a journey. Like learn, I'm still learning small things along the way, still making changes. Like to come across my page, I feel like people have this perception of me and they might be surprised. Like uh, someone messaged me and I, th I think they were having surgery or something and they were trying, they were asking me how they can get away with not taking antibiotics after. And I had said, you know, something like that, I would not mess around. Take the antibiotics, please. <laughs> you know, there, there's a there's a time and place for everything. I just like to, I look at doctors, Western medicine, antibiotics. Those are a last resort for emergencies, true emergencies. What about vaping? <laughs> Call me out for it. Okay, fair. That's fair. Good for you. Good for you. I watched the Jewel documentary and I was vaping through the whole fucking thing of it. I, I don't care. I'll I'll eat I'll eat pizza pockets. I don't care. I'm not that concerned for me. I've t I've said this on my TikTok, on my Facebook, because that is one thing. I feel like there are a lot of creators who hide. We're all humans. You know, we're all humans. And that's one thing that my mom would say to me a lot when I first started this. You're a hypocrite. You make this content, you vape. Oh, so because I vape, I should say fuck the rest of my health and not care, even though I know these things are bad, I'm a human, you know? And I used to friggin' shoot heroin in my arm. If this is the only thing I'm doing, like, I am so proud of myself. And a lot of people message me and tell me that they respect me for that, that I don't hide those little things, you know, that make me human. Or people call me out and say, oh, your nails are toxic, your hair is toxic. It's like, yeah, no shit. But I've cut toxins, like, out of so many other areas of my life that I'm fine with that balance is going to look different for everyone and one thing that i've noticed is the people who leave those comments mostly you go back to their profile they're not living low tox at all something about you triggered them and they just wanted to leave that comment to try to make you feel like crap it's like and most of the time they got like one or two followers and they don't have a profile picture so it's like oh you're not you're just a random person just trying to piss somebody off right i'm i'm human at the end of the day you know, I do my, I do my best to lower toxins, but I'm not perfect. And I, I make it a point to share those flaws with people because some people don't, and you know, who I would be weary of is the creator 
who was hiding all that behind the camera and making it look like everything is bubbles and rainbows and fairies and that this unattainable life, you know, that they're that they're putting a, a show on for, it's not real. And that's why that's like my biggest thing is I want people to know, you know, it's a journey. We all start somewhere. Don't throw your crap out if you've learned that it's toxic. Use it up. Next time, make a smarter choice. And you just got to take slow baby steps. And even I'm not perfect yet. I still, I still do my vape. It's my, it's my one bad habit. I got to ask, um, we talked earlier about, uh, creativity, obviously availability with food, but you posted something that was really interesting to me. And I think it's pretty cool, but I'm wondering where you get some of the ideas for some of your foods, but you made goldfish like the child's goldfish out of something. I want you to explain that a little bit, but also where do you get, you see a lot of recipes, a lot of availability of cool ideas, or it causes you to be creative to try and find ways to make things that are also not taking the joy out of things a child should be enjoying, which is food. They should enjoy their food, playing with it, things of that sort. But if you can make them into cool shapes and things just like the normal products sell in the store that get them bought up so quickly, I think that's interesting. So that started, my mom gave me a 235-year-old sourdough starter, which if you're not familiar with sourdough, sourdough starter is like the original form of leavened bread. It's the original form of yeast, and it has a long fermentation process. Um, Sourdough bread is the healthiest bread for humans to be digesting because it's a ferment of flour and water. So it has a ton of gut healthy bacteria and that bacteria eats up a lot of the sugar and starch in the bread. And that is why it is so much easier for humans to digest. So once my mom gave me that starter, I started looking into, you know, store-bought bread. I think it's called bromide. I forget the exact ingredient that they use in the United States. I watched a little documentary on it. I think it's bromide or I might be saying it wrong something like that. And it's, it's not good. And then a lot of our stuff, like the crackers, bread, the first ingredient is enriched flour. And that means that the flour was stripped of all its nutrients and they added synthetic back in. We are not meant to be consuming synthetics. Um, eating enriched flour over a long period of time, it causes your sugar to, to, to spike and then crash. Over time, that leads to insulin resistance, weight gain. So I started focusing on, does this have enriched flour? Anything that has enriched flour, I do my best to cut out of our diet. So all things bread or flour, I use my sourdough starter to cook everything homemade. Sourdough starter, it's it's kind of a hard concept. Like it took me a while to fully understand it. So I hope I explained it okay. But sourdough, you can use like any recipe that calls for flour, you can use sourdough starter. So like the what else do I make? I've made crackers, like pizza, pizza. cookies, breads. Yeah. My my um pizza dough is sourdough it's a I long ferment it overnight and it's just so much easier on our gut like I had a girlfriend she had to take antibiotics for something and for like two months after she's like Sarah my gut just is not right what can I do to heal my gut and I told her I said only eat sourdough bread 
like get rid of all enriched flour. And she told me a few months later, she said, you know, that worked. My gut feels so much better. It's just so much easier and gentler on our guts. You know what a xanthium gum is? I think it's called. Xanthan gum or there's guar gum. There's a few different gums. I do my best to avoid those. I've never deep dove like super far. I used to struggle to find a coffee creamer without those gums in it. But now I just, I drink raw cream in my coffee. It's like in everything. And I was kind of like looking around. I was like, I wonder what that does. Cause it doesn't sound good. You're not supposed to consume gum. I thought, I know it's not the same thing, but it, I would think it's like a stickiness product to it. That if you honestly, you take a break, like I have digestive issues, but I, that's why I got really kind of health focused on the nutrition stuff. Um, not only because of the fitness stuff, but it was a lot of it was the coffee. A lot of it was stuff that was just irritating the digestive system. It wasn't processed properly or I was getting too much of it or something of that sort, but you feel better. And I know people saying they do, I know friends that do juice cleanses before they're going to go for a competition or something like that. And even they mentioned, you know, it's so hard not to dive into the sweets and all the stuff when you restrict for so long. But if you wait long enough, you don't have the, I don't have the need for cake at all. I don't have the need for ice cream at all. I can be around it. Everyone can eat it in front of me. I don't care for it. And it's not for me, not a health thing. It's just the factor of like, I have no desire. And I think a lot of people have a desire for something like a chocolate cake or ice cream or stuff. And a lot of it becomes too much of a desire, but it is taking that break so that I feel like that brings me back to like how our foods are quite literally engineered by food scientists to be addicting and to light up the same areas of our brain as drugs once it, that, that was a process for me too because I craved those foods healthy food was not appealing that is not what I wanted to eat I was like how can I do this forever but like you said I feel like once you're away from it for so long you crave those healthy foods and those unhealthy foods like to me for me to see a pop tart and this is no dig towards anyone if you love pop tarts whatever it may be i just like am so turned off by it. it's not even food it's not even food and after a while i feel like you just naturally start to gravitate towards the whole clean foods once you give your body a long enough break from all the crap and the additives and the synthetics that they put in our food. Um, Sarah, is there anything you want to let people know out there who are listening, who might be looking for ways to start on the path of alternative foods or things that they can make difference in their actual diet? I mean, like I said, a lot of people are working nine to fives. I mean, it's not super hard to eat unhealthy I mean, it's not super hard to eat healthy now because the unhealthy foods are now just jacked up in price. Everything's around the same. As much as you can buy organic stuff is, is the normal price of regular food in grocery stores now. Um, so my biggest tip is just to take things slow. Uh, focus on like one little area, you know, maybe focus on like I was talking about the coffee earlier. Maybe, maybe make it a habit, you know, to make have some healthy breakfast before you drink your coffee. Just start slow, like one small change a week. And, you know, if after a week you feel like that's a habit for you now, add on another small change. Just don't overdo it. Don't let yourself get anxious because when we stress out like that, it releases cortisol into our body, which is poison. It is literally just as toxic um, as the bad ingredients that we're avoiding in the first place. And then my other biggest tip, you know, even if you have an apartment, if you have a balcony, 
you can be growing something in your house. Like I live in the snow capital of New York, of the country, we get the most snow. I have four indoor hydroponic systems. You know, one I asked for a Christmas gift one year, the rest I waited for Amazon Prime Day. They were about 50 bucks, which in my opinion is not too expensive. They pay for themselves. And then all winter, I'm out there growing my own tomatoes, growing lettuce, growing my own seasonings inside the house. So maybe maybe get um, the book that I recommend, Square Foot Gardening. Even like I said, if you live in an apartment and all you have is a balcony, you can be growing some um, some container plants out there. Um, and, and just, if you can't do that, you know, get on Facebook and look around for some local farmers markets, support your local farmers, um, you know, ask them, you know, how they grow their food. I feel like it's really about just connecting with our communities again and seeing what we can trade with people or what we can grow in our own backyards and just getting back to how our ancestors did things is what, is what it's about for me. Befriend an Amish person. That's the real answer they've got it figured out the amish people i'll say like not everything i agree with but a lot of things i feel like they got right <laughs> well sarah i'm gonna link all your links in the description it's been a pleasure having you back on the show it does make me tear up a little bit when i see uh some of the tiktoks you have when you're making food for your daughter because i remember the whole process to get there as well too and to see the whole change that you've had more focus on the health stuff i mean you're always kind of health conscious but i think now you've really gone and you know, turned it into something which I really appreciate. And I've appreciated all the conversations we've had over the years, but um, is there a place where people can find your links? Yes, I am on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Robbie said he'll link those for you. But if you find any of those and you go to my bio, all my, everything is linked right there in my link tree. You can find me I'm also on YouTube, but I, I, I'm not really established there yet. I don't know if you want to leave that in, but um, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, go to my bio. Everything is linked there. You can find me. It's nice you still have a link tree. I don't have one. They deleted mine for some reason. They said I the violated last... some type of terms and conditions. I was like, how? It's just there was a link to YouTube, a link to Spotify, and a link to Facebook. What is violating in that? I will tell you that link tree... I, I used to go with another link tree service. It wasn't link tree. I forget link pop. They wouldn't. Yeah. They, they wouldn't let like some of my links for things they were saying were dangerous for holistic mm -hmm. wellness product products. So I had to switch to link tree a month into link tree. Link tree has turned off a few of my links and saying that they're dangerous. I don't know. It's confusing, but I'm going to link all the links you do have in the description below. Thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank and stay tuned for our next episode.